Jimmy, Jimmy Crane, Jimmy Crane's a nerd. Jimmy Crane's an improv nerd. Jimmy Crane's a nerd. Oh, Jimmy. Hey everybody, this is Jimmy Corain, and this is another episode of Improv Nerd, sponsored by the good people at Hotel Lincoln. Now, the next time you find yourself here in the city of Chicago and you're looking for a cool, hip, boutique hotel, something totally different, check out the Hotel Lincoln. It is close to everything. It's right around the corner from Second City, across the street from the Lincoln Park Zoo. It's minutes away from Chicago's Loop or the Magnificent Mile, where you can do all sorts of shopping. It's not only improviser-friendly. It's pet-friendly as well. Think about it. How many hotels can brag about that? It is the official hotel of Improv Nerd, and that is the Hotel Lincoln. I quickly want to plug my award-winning improv classes here in Chicago, the Art of Slow Comedy. Think about your favorite improviser. Why do you like them so much? And I'll tell you why. You probably like them because everything that comes out of their mouth is believable. In the Art of Slow Comedy, you are going to learn Before you can be funny, you need to be real. We teach you how to slow things down so you can get everything off your partner. The game, the relationship, the stakes in the scene. Uh, And it makes your scene work as easy as having a conversation. Uh, Classes start in April. And for more information, just go to jimmycorain.com. That's my website, jimmycorain.com. Our guest today is Brian Posen. And Brian Posen is a renaissance man. And I say that jealously. Uh, Brian is a master improvisational teacher. He teaches at the Second City. He teaches at Columbia College. He is also the artistic director of Stage 773. He is also the founder of Chicago Sketch Fest. He is also the artistic director of Cupid Players. Uh, And this is a very, very cool show because we have Brian on and we interview him. And then he brings out the Cupid Players, which uh, is a musical sketch group. And he talks about the process of how they develop material. Uh, Brian also talks about how he was afraid to do improvisation with us. Um, and I'm. this is an open invitation if you're listening, Brian. If you ever want to come back and do improvisation with me, I am more than open to do it. And I like to just say improvisation because it sounds so pretentious because you know me, I'm just so pretentious. We also talk about how he got into um, teaching improvisation uh, and his influence is Martin DeMott. So that's really cool. And he talks about kind of uh, we is a, from a director and how, what kind of people he likes to work with. Uh, so uh, this is, uh, I think you're really going to enjoy this. But before we go on to the interview, um, I'm a little down today. I, I'm feeling just a little sad and I'm, 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 I have a real problem with Facebook. I cannot get off it, and I'm not exaggerating. I, I, I go on it. It's, it's, it's an addiction. I go just like any of my other addictions. I feel like if I go on it, it's going to make me feel better. But what happens is it makes me feel worse, and I feel like shame, and I feel like a piece of shit when I'm, I'm, I'm done when I get off of it. And today was one of those days where, like, I, I don't know if you've experienced this. Like, you go on Facebook. And like everybody seems to be successful. And there's a show here in town. And I don't even know what I feel about in terms of if I'm really still an actor or not. But it was one of those days where I got on Facebook and it's like 
everybody seems to be getting a part in this show. It's called uh, Chicago Police Department. It's a spinoff of uh, the Chicago Fire Department. It's Dick Wolf's show. And I'm just like, oh, God, he got a part. He got a part. And and then, you know, I look, other people are doing podcasts. And I'm like, There's, their podcasts are more successful. What am I doing? So I'm a little depressed. I'm a little sad. I'm, I'm in some self-pity. But... Uh, I think this episode is really going to cheer you up. Uh, Brian Posen is one of the most positive guys, and I say that uh, jealousy again. I have to say because he has got so much energy, and we're the same age. We went to the same high school. We graduated the, the same year, but he's just he's he's a leader. He has a lot of people that that want to do stuff for him. And uh, he makes stuff happen. And uh, if you ever get in town for the Chicago Sketch Fest, it's amazing. It's just so cool. And they've got that down. And I know it's been around for about 10 years or 12 years, somewhere in there. And they've got it down. So it's, And it's just amazing. It's so exciting to be around you. So here it is, the Brian Posen episode. All right, you told me backstage you don't like talking about yourself. No. Yep. What is this? <laughs> oh, look at all these people. Oh. What makes you uncomfortable talking about yourself? I don't know. I don't know. Even the, even when we did the first sketch fest, the first couple sketch fests, I did an intro. I said, I, I know when I go to other festivals and stuff like that, I go, uh, it's not about me. You know, and they had to force me. The second year, they forced me on the stage to just introduce the groups. I just wanted to make sure it wasn't one of those festivals where you get up there and like, let me talk about myself and all that. I hate that stuff. So I don't know. I mean, I, this is a weird. This is a weird couple of weeks because I get interviewed by a lot of people. Like uh, just in the last two weeks, I had what uh, BBM and BEZ and and two GNs, radio and TV and CBS and Fox, and so I'm blabbing a lot. But you're really un- you're very comfortable talking about the festival. It's you that you have trouble with, right? Well, yeah. I, I you know, honest, honestly, I, I feel like it's so weird. There, I look at this artistic community, and I hold so many people in such high regard. And, and the things that they do and their talent and what they accomplished. And, and honestly, when I get thrown in that mix, I go, ah, they don't know the truth. I'm, you know, it's just, I, it feels very weird. So do you feel like, because I have this, other, do you feel like you're a fraud sometimes? <laughs> <laughs> fraud? Or you're not, not in the same league as, say, a McNapier or... Exactly, you know, okay. oh, absolutely. I mean, I don't, when I get, like, New City said I was the top 30 people that are the movers and shakers of Chicago the last couple of years and performing did the thing and, and Time Out and Chicago Magazine all that stuff it's really weird I don't I like okay that's very nice but I really don't give you it you almost deny it right I don't deny it I just <laughs> don't sit there and bask in it okay I really don't I mean it's not my nature I don't I, I wish I had a little bit more of like hey, yeah but I, I don't it's well you're always moving and it's something I'm so jealous of you first of all you are an optimist and as I was preparing my wife is like you, you know Brian is the opposite of you because I am like an Eeyore like everything the, the sky is always falling but you every you are very optimistic you always have a positive energy if it's an act or not it works for you where did you get that Really? Yes. 
<laughs> you don't I'm see a yourself... really good actor. I really <laughs> am, I guess. You don't see yourself as an optimist? Sometimes. Sometimes. Some... Yeah, I guess so. No, yes, I do. I do. I think so. Do I? Cupid, do I? Am I? Yeah. Yeah. These are the people yes. in, in uh, the yeah. sketch group, Cupid. Yeah, I, you know what? I, th- I, I, have, I, I think I'm the extreme of both. I, I really do. I but think, I never see that side. Well, I don't I, show that side. Of course not. Okay. But what is that dark side that you don't want to show? Oh, you are awesome, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> I love this. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I love this. Because, you know, I was doing the, the GN radio uh, interview with Nick DiGilio. I love that guy. Yeah. And he's, he's right. and, 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 uh, it's in, I did this podcast a couple of years ago, and, and we talked for an hour. And at the end, uh, you know, he says, that was good. I go, okay. He goes, you know what, with you old guys... Not old. The guys have been around for a while. You get you get asked the same questions over and over again. Like he says, uh, Joe, Bill, Susan. You get the same questions over and over again. We have these stock responses, you know. And I I, I listened to myself talk to Nick Degilio's half hour interview, and I go, I said, I keep vomiting the same fucking things over and over again. And and I go, I'm looking forward to Jimmy. I'm looking <laughs> forward to Jimmy because he doesn't ask. He will not ask any freaking questions. That uh, that's that is normal. So I like that. What did what did you ask me? What is the it? dark side? What, what is that part that that you say you're a good actor? What is that the dark side that you don't want people to know? Well, every single artist, almost every single artist, has that, which is. Uh, uh, I, uh, Tom Hanks said after Bosom Buddies he thought his career was over. Right. That's a typical artist. That, uh-huh. You know, I, I, I went this far and I got this far, but that I'm done. It's like the lead singer of Boston. Mm-hmm. He, he's now, he was playing cover mm-hmm. things that, for, for what, Beatle cover band and then he killed himself. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I never. Am I done? I don't think I'm done. I don't think I'm done at all. What is the dark side? What is the dark side? Do you get depressed? Do you get angry? Of course angry? I okay. do. What's, what's something? Because I, I only see, I, I see, I will see you tired. And I, what? I'll see. When? <laughs> I've seen you tired around here. I mean, especially when it was, you know, when, it, when it's a busy time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, I think when it was, you were building this place, this yeah, stage yeah. 773 out, you were yeah, tired. That, and that, that, that's the only time. But I don't see you angry and I don't see you depressed. Okay, that's good. That's good. Uh, but do you? Yeah, I got my ass kicked these last couple of years. In I, um, what way? Uh, well, we, we, uh, we, our dreams came true that we took over this building in Stage 773. Yeah, okay. our dreams came true. And that's great because I, I knew that I've always loved this space. Always loved this space. Since uh, I got back from grad school, I started producing here in the early 90s. And, uh, and then it was about 2003 that I finally said, uh, I finally realized when I hit 40, I'm not going to breed. And uh, I said, I know what I want. Um, all right, let's go back. Uh, 2001, when my mom died, uh, I, lost the, I lost the urge to be on stage. I used to fucking perform everywhere. Running from uh, the daytime uh, the museum gigs to the primetime theater stuff, and then running over to your late night shit. I would perform in every fucking theater here. And then once, once Ma died, uh, I go, you know what? I no longer have the desire to really perform anymore. I want to, I, I changed, it, it morphed to, I want to give opportunities, I want to create, uh, I want to. I want to give back uh, to teach, to produce, to direct stuff like that, um, and give uh, uh, opportunities to people that like people have given to me. The Marty Demotts. Um, Marty Demott, who was a huge, great improv teacher and a huge influence. Everything I do is based on Marty. Mm-hmm. It really is. In what way? He, he has such an impact on me because his whole philosophy, like uh, this, is improv nerd. Why do I love improv? 
I fucking love improv because the the profound effects it has on people. Uh, artists, it's great training for artists. That's what I love. But the thing that I really love about it is how it transforms people's lives. If you give someone, people who enter the art firm go, oh, okay, uh, this is cool. And, and everything that I create in improv is immediately embraced and built upon. So I have an instinct like, oh, uh, I'm going to take a chance and, and have this thing and, and I'm going to present it to you. And my partner picks it up and runs with it. I go, oh, cool. That, that, that worked. Oh, that's really nice. That's cool. Uh, oh, okay. Well, that idea worked. Well, not all my ideas are going to work. I, okay. I'm going to give another idea. And my partner picks it up and runs with it. Oh, you know what? My ideas are good. You know what? My eyes are... It's pretty, hey, dude, ready? Plop. Oh, cool. Yeah, fucking plop. Oh, boy. Hey, yeah, I'm good. And, and it gives you a sense of esteem, you know, and makes you feel good as a human being. And then that bleeds into your real life. Why did I... I was on the way to... I, was, I took a year off between undergrad and grad to decide if I was going to get an MBA or a law degree. And this is back in 87. Now, you... We both... Let's just set this up. We both came... We both went to Nutrier. Yep. We both grew up on the North Shore. You yep. grew up in Glencoe. Yep. I grew up in Kenilworth. Little... Yep little more wealthy was Kenworth than Glencoe. Uh, not that that matters, but, um, and you decided, and you were in the theater program, right? Uh, no, that, no, 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 no. You no. didn't do musicals and stuff? No, no, I was, I started as a pianist. Um, were you doing music and stuff at New Trier? New Trier, I was in all the musicals. You're like, because I was a pianist and at a very young so age. So you were, you were playing? Yeah, okay. no, no, but then when I got into uh, New Trier, I went into the, the chorus, the choirs, um, because I could read music and sustain a, a, a tune, a carry a pitch, uh, and then and that, that bled into uh, the musicals, and uh, I was in all the musicals, like Music Man, West Side Story, and what was it, South Pacific we were in, and I don't know, what else were we in? And, and then you decide after you graduate from Nutria, you're going to be a good North Shore kid. Yeah. And you're going to go be a psych major and a uh, I got a pre-law psych, a pre -law and a concentration in business. Uh, and then uh, both set the foundation uh, to either go to law school or business school. Because, you know, like uh, my brother and sister, you go into the family business. Like my dad, like my, fa my grandpa, you know, that's what we do. You know, and uh, I took a year off. And then some dude, just like every, every, every teacher or director, everyone that's at Second City has the exact same story. Oh, I took a class, and then, you know, everyone was on a different path, and then um, something happened. Something happened to them. They took a class, and then they go, I want to explore this more. And all of a sudden, they go into this direction. You know, Hubdi has the same thing. Everyone has the same Matt story. Matt Hubdi was yeah. a director at Second City. But you know, what's interesting about, about you is you got into, you were still, when did you start teaching improv? At Second City. Uh, at Second City, 1993. And you, three. your dad had been sick, right? You no, no, Ma, Ma, got, Ma, Ma got sick 2000, so 2001. So I was teaching at Second City and acting and directing uh, all through the 90s. And then Ma passed um, in 2001. Uh, and then that started to change things a lot. And then How dad, dad passed a, a, a year and a half ago. What was your relationship like with your mom? Because she seems very <laughs> prominent in this story. Uh, You're blushing. No, it's hot in here. So, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's weird. I had, I had extreme parents, fucking extreme parents. I had, my, you know, they're the product of the 50s. You know, um, uh, my mother, my, my father was a very brilliant uh, selfless man. Uh, um, he was an electrical engineer, very methodical, very uh, uh, technical. Uh, he's very patient, very selfless, very fun, fun, humorous, inappropriate man. 
And, um, and a very, and very successful business. Very too. successful, yes. Uh, and then my mother was uh, the extreme opposite, which was she was very loving and nurturing and extremely emotional and irrational <laughs> and illogical and uh, could change on a dime. So I had this pillar of strength and this tornado, you know, and you which is wonderful. Do you think there was some mental illness with your mom? Uh, now that I look back, I think she, I think she was depressed. Okay. Absolutely. How, where, where would, how would she be irrational? Do you have an example? Oh, my God. Uh, no. <laughs> um, you do you have like 10 in your mind and you're editing them? Yes. Okay. Uh, you know, she, uh, she could turn on a dime. She could turn on a dime. Uh, she could be one way one moment and one way the next. It wasn't like she was crazy. Ah! But uh, 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 she, uh, she was, uh, she was, uh, uh, was she a screamer? No. So how could she turn that? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> uh, she, she was inconsistent. She was a very inconsistent lady. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Do and you she, not like to go back to your family? Talking about no, it? Does this make I love you... them. No, 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 no. I mean, just talk. The questioning that I'm going to. No, you... you're cool. Okay, it's all good. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> if it was, I'd say no. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's up to you. That's cool. No, I haven't thought about this shit in a long time. She's kind of crazy. Uh-huh. She, yeah, yeah. She was, she was led by her emotions. Okay. And Dad was led by uh, his uh, uh, logic. Mm-hmm. You know. So, and and it's great because it complements me well when I'm I'm taking the best of both worlds. But when um, I'm playing at their extremes, that's when uh, that's when I got to hone it back in. You know. Um, and then you get involved in sketch, and, and and sketch really comes because you're teaching at the Second City Conservatory, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And, and and if anyone who knows, it's, it's the Second City Conservatory. They teach you how to write a review mm-hmm. style mm-hmm. show, mm-hmm. Uh, a Second City mm-hmm. style show. Um, what what was your first experience then into sketch? Mm, probably through the classes, because I used to teach uh, both uh, A through E and then uh, one through five. So we were teaching. Um, uh, when's the first time we got to sketch? And we also do, did a lot of stuff on the on the uh, 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 on Donnie Skybox too. I did a lot of a lot of experimental shit too. Because back then, when I started teaching, we had twelve white teachers, uh, eleven white dudes, and uh, Anne, uh, and Libra, and Libra, and uh, and then uh, we had maybe two hundred students. So it wasn't like it is today. We would. I know when I was a student back in the eighties, I would leave Gelman's class and I say to my buddies, "What do you want to do?" Well, let's just sit in Donnie's class. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, let's go over to Donnie's class. We go over to Donnie's class. What do you want to do now? I think Carrie has a class. I'm too tired, and I don't want to. So we would just scam into all the classes, and it wasn't like this this program now. Um, you know what I, I want to just say? Because when you started teaching back then, you want to get closer. No, is that it? Okay. Because I. Can get <laughs> you wanted to be a teacher. It was clear because usually teachers in improv yeah. had had. You know, been an accomplished uh, improviser, uh, main stage, Second right. City, Iowa. You didn't have that. No, pedigree. I come you... from a very different place. Yeah, I knew I wanted to be a teacher in 1988 when I was asked to teach a 40-minute workshop at Highland Park High School. Um, I was uh, waiting tables at Ed DeBevix and uh, one of <laughs> back when Ed's was like cool and well that's kind of cool okay whatever right. um, uh, and uh, and so one of my one of the one of the patrons was uh, worked at Highland Park High School and we we're talking and, and she said do you want to come teach a workshop I said okay so I taught uh, a workshop at a napkin with a bunch of exercises on it because I was taking classes in Second City and um, I come in and there was a packed house of like a hundred like shit and I just asked for a couple people and 
But at the end of that experience, I go, I walked out of that room going, I want to be a teacher. I know I want to be a teacher. And I remember even my audition at University of Illinois where I did grad work, I came in and there's the whole faculty, you know, and, and, uh, and I do my three monologues and my singing and my Shakespeare and all that shit and, and the movement teachers asking questions and this guy and, there, and, I'm, you know, and I'm like doing good. And then the head, the head guy, uh, uh, David Knight, very long man with long fingers, he says, why do you want to teach, uh, why, do you want, why do you want to come to the University of Illinois? And I go, the facilities and blah, 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 and the faculty, blah, 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 and the opportunity to teach. And he goes, we do not make teachers here. This is not about teaching. And he's yelling at me, this big long finger in my face, no teachers. And then he's screaming at me. I'm like, oh God, you know. And I thought I would never get in, but they accepted me. And and then I got to teach, and they gave me a full ride plus payment to teach. And then at the end of the third year, I won this award, this uh, Charles Luckman Excellence in Teaching the Award. Charles Luckman. Award. I know, yes, I know. Yes. But it landed the theater department ten grand, right? Uh-huh. And so David comes up to me and goes, "I knew." Oh shit! This is all. I hope he doesn't see this. <laughs> but he goes, "I knew it, boy. I, you're a good teacher." And like, fuck you. <laughs> So sorry, David. That check will go far, Brian. I knew you were a teacher. So, but I knew I wanted to teach. And and when I got back to Chicago, I sat and talked with Marty, um, uh, and and for an hour and a half. And he says, "I got an instinct about you. I want you to teach my class tomorrow." You know, and I wasn't asking him for a job because Sheldon over at Columbia said Sheldon Patagon. Yeah, uh, 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 he said. Um, is he always high, or is that just a rumor? Uh, of course, it's a rumor. Okay. <laughs> he would burn incense in his right. office. That's the smell you right, smell. Right. Um, uh, he said there was a job and then a player's workshop said there's a job and when I got back from grad school they, there wasn't any oh we don't have any jobs and I sat down with Marty and I go Marty he goes I have an instinct about you and I taught his uh, first hour of his class the next day and then a week later he called or actually a couple days later he called me up and says you have three classes next week and that was pretty uh, pretty awesome um, what was the question what the hell was the question this is a question a long time ago <laughs> a long, this is a question way back what was the original question do you know what it looks I don't know. I would have to. No, I'm. I'm just going. I'm improvising this part. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um. All right. We done? No. Um, <laughs> so we've got Cupid's play. So sketch. Oh, that's all what right. we're gonna yeah. say. Sketch. So we used to do a lot of stuff in Donnie Skybox. Donnie Skybox was always empty. And we did a lot of experimental stuff there. Uh, and I was teaching the conservatory, doing sketch there. And then when Marty got sick, they. Um, the conservatory, the whole dynamic of the conservatory changed uh, uh, and uh, 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 became the arts. Thank you for coming. See you. <laughs> Someone is leaving. Yeah, great. Okay. okay. Um, the uh, dynamic changed. I know. Yeah. Yeah, because she left? Yes. Okay. So, um, uh, because Anne uh, reconfigured the conservatory that only people that. Thanks. See you. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, when people leave, how do you feel about that? Whatever. Okay. They have things to do. Okay. They're in the wrong I side. usually take it personally, but tonight, for I some reason... I can't do it anymore. Okay. <laughs> I'm too busy. I can't I know, do it. I know. Whatever. So, um, Anne's refi- so Anne reconfigured it. Any- that you have to be uh, worked on the stages to, to uh, teach in the conservatory. How did you feel about that? Uh, I felt At the time, I felt... That's a good question, and I hope I'm not uh, saying anything bad. I felt pretty upset because uh, I, I, I did good work in the conservatory. I would not teach just three hours. Uh, even Jill's class, we would go five hours in classes. I would have extra classes. I worked so 
fucking hard. But I was in Discovery. I was a teacher in Discovery. I was teaching mm -hmm. at Act One. I was teaching at Steppenwolf. I was teaching at Columbia. I was teaching at Second City. I was teaching up to 12 classes a week, which is ridiculous. But I was so, I mean, that you have that endless energy in your 30s. And I would just go teach from, I leave it here and teach not camera classes and teaching, you know, check off here and teaching, 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 you know. But it was so in Discovery. And then when I got closed out of the conservatory, it was a blessing in disguise. Because I go, oh, fuck. But then, what is Chicago theater? You create your own fucking reality here. So what did I do? I go, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my own shit. Which was awesome, because I took it outside of the institution. 20 minutes and 8 seconds. I took it out of the institution, <laughs> and I started creating my own reality outside. And, and so I started uh, doing this experimental work. Um, uh, what happens? Uh, I don't know. We, I did this one show where I wrote a song for each character gave the, the songs to a cast. Hildreth directed this. John Hildreth? Yeah. And then each, each, each person discovered the character through the song, which is pretty cool. You know, and then they, they improvised a script. And then, they, I mean, we would do all these weird things. And one of the weird things I, I, I thought of like 15 years ago, what happens if every sketch, satirical written vignette, moved to song? What happens? And I remember some people, oh, I get boring after a while. I'm going to try it. So I um, cast 21 people in the first Cupid, <coughs> thinking, well, if there's 21 people, then uh, everyone brings a couple people that packed houses. And if each one has a killer scene, we'll have a good show. <laughs> 21 people. Uh, and, and, why, why do you say that, 21 people? It was, it was tough? No, it was, we didn't know what the fuck we were doing, but it was great. It was great. Uh, one guy drove in from uh, Milwaukee every week. <laughs> Wisconsin John, yeah. Uh, and then we rehearsed for four months, and we cast Runjit because he had the keys. <laughs> keys of what? Keys to the skybox, so <laughs> thank God I cast that fucker. <laughs> Seriously, uh, the, the, we would not be here if it wasn't for Runjit. But he had the keys to the skybox, so we can get in the skybox early Sunday mornings. But, so, but, <laughs> but we tried it, and, and it ran, and it kept extending, because back then the skybox wasn't like it, it is now. And we extended for almost a half a year. It was Cupid misfires his arrows, funny. And, um, uh, and then afterwards, we did it again. Um, and Rebecca Allen was in the cast, and Ann O'Neill, and Joanne Beasy, and Aaron Graham, and you know, so there was it was it was a really wonderful ride. We didn't know what there was no music in Chicago. There was no musical program. There was no musical <laughs> sketch. Ruby Streak would come in for a level two show and run an hour workshop, and that's all the music you had. And in she both was programs. doing the piano for the main yeah, stage. Yeah, yeah, then, yeah, yeah. yeah. So speaking of Cupid players, we're going to see a little of Cupid players. Right now. Yeah. Okay. 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 Uh, do you want to set this up at all? We have force four. I don't know. What do you want? What do you want out of this? What do you want to talk? What I mean. Uh, afterwards. We got, uh, after, Twenty minutes here. Yeah. What so afterwards, you? I want to talk about the process. Your process. Okay. So I would like to. Uh, I would like to see the four. Uh, the four uh, scenes that you've selected. Okay. And then let's talk about the process. So tell us what the first one is going to be. Uh, 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 we're going to do three, uh, four pieces, uh, and I picked these four pieces because uh, they're four, four distinctively different voices. Why? Uh, why have we been so successful? It's because. Um, uh, of everyone's everyone's individual voices, so you're going to see um, uh, uh, four songs, all by cast members that have been in the group anywhere between ten to fifteen years. 
so you're going to see a Sammy song, a Jill song, a typical Runjit song, and then the new generation. Okay. So okay. the first one we're going to hear is called Bacon. Bacon. Okay. And it's all from a personal point. All the all this shit is all personal point of view. Okay. Uh, it's all written from personal point of view, not extreme characters or anything like that. Can we do we can we move this? Well, yeah, we can we, move. I'll go over this, here. And I'm going to go over here. Okay. Do you want the chair? Yeah.
I can expect to get your mouth tonight. <laughs> Stop talking. That's not what your mouth is for. <laughs> I paid the bills, I took the trash out too. I gave you a back massage. So baby, I hope your face eats too. Because my friend Katie's coming over. I get wet when Reggie Miller announces sports. Pipe in your Thank you. 
think that's way uncool. Blake and I are sexy, and you're just a tool. You crumbled my heart into trouble, remains the most fair in love and war. Small toast, more subtle than the blood and flames to make delicious hatred s'mores. I don't need a boyfriend, I just need cake. I only work. I have. Is that uh, true? Absolutely. I have at many, many times and uh, let go of extremely talented people. Um, and I would much rather deal with people that are not as talented. Oh, that's okay. Sucks. Oh my God. Okay. I, will, <laughs> I have let go of people. Uh, I love you guys. You're the most talented people. I mean, you know I love you. Uh, I will let. I would. I have let go of people because of attitude. Absolutely. Give, you give look me, at. Give me a couple pet peeves for people that are listening to this podcast because oh, I really geez. believe it's a small community, and if you're a jerk, people are going to know it. Absolutely. There's no question. Look at the Sketchfest staff. Mm -hmm. We have a. We have a wait list. I mean, we stopped taking the wait list names, but I make you bet. Uh, we have uh, way over a hundred people asking to just be on our staff to pick up beer bottles because they just want to be part of this vibe. That's why I'm. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing because I never felt like I fit in anywhere, so I created my own reality. E even back when we were in high even school. Even back. Even back when. What I was about in high your school. family? Because I felt not in high school and not in my family. Family shit. Yeah. <laughs> you don't. You do not want to go there, do you? Your face no, that's is all right. right. Yeah. No. No. Uh, but I mean, uh, seriously, if I'm going to be married to these guys, I mean, th th Billy's been with the, the group for 12 years, Runjit for 14, 15 years, Drew for five. I mean, why do? Why is there such long longevity? They're not getting paid. I think they get like seven dollars a show or something like that now. But I mean, why? Because they just—it's—we can't wait to get together and create, and we understand the honor that we have, that the, the privilege that we get to create together and get to perform every week. We have a show that's been performing 11 years. Cupid has a heart on every Saturday night. Why? Why has that been so successful? Because of the love and the bond and the respect and the appreciation and uh, the honor. And we know we have a privilege to be on stage, to, to be able to perform to an audience, to uh, move them to laughter and thought. I mean, it's, it, we're, we're so blessed. So, yes, absolutely. And when there's a cancer, the minute there's a cancer in that... What, 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 how, do, what do you see? How, do, how does a cancer show up? Uh, 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 in so many different ways. Any kind of negative attitude, bitching, complaining, uh, coming late, any kind of toxic, hey, you know what about this guy, blah, blah, bullshit, bullshit. Like, absolutely not. 
we we uh, poke fun at each other, we jab at each other like we're brothers and sisters. But there's absolutely any 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 malicious, uh, uh, inappropriate behavior is immediately stopped, and then if it if it still exists, it's removed. I protect. Is that, that at hard all for cost. you to do? I, it's very hard to say someone, I'm sorry, I'm taking an opportunity away from you. I, I hate that I had to turn 150 groups away from the festival this year. Mm -hmm. I really do. I mean, it's great as a producer, but as, as a Marty disciple, I want to give opportunities everywhere. Uh, is it hard? Absolutely. It's always, that's the hardest thing I ever had to do is tell someone, sorry, this, this match isn't right anymore. You know, Marty had a way of turning it around and the, the person will thank them afterwards. But I, I, um, <laughs> but, uh, I but I'm very, I'm very adamant. The reason we have this building, the reason Sketchfest is so successful, the reason Cupid, it's all started Cupid, Sketchfest, this building, is because we honor that artist. I'm passionate about this. We honor the patron. We bend over backwards to make sure that, I don't care how diva-esque these people are, we bend over backwards to make sure that artist feels incredible. And we call this place home. Welcome home. Um, and we make sure that they are in a place where they can create their best work. And so the, uh, the audience will see the artist's best work. And we know that the experience of the patron is not when the lights come up, but when they, they walk into the space and how they are greeted and how the vibe uh, of the, the space is and how the box office person greets them and what the bar looks like and the bartenders and, and the spaces themselves and the people that work. It's an experience, I think. Well, I've been so, here for a couple of years, and people and, cannot be nicer. Then we love you. I well, mean, well, we thank do. You. You're you're everything that we we uh, we uh, hold. You have everything that we we value. Well, you you've know? been super supportive, and I I have I just want to thank you for that. Let's talk about what we you guys just did. Bacon. How did that come about? That song. So I don't know. The reason I picked these is it's um, it's a slice of of uh, uh, what it's it, it what. What? Cupid does, does is funny. Someone, does someone come in with an idea and say, I want to do a song about yeah, bacon? Yeah, we, we uh, get down, you know, we, we sit down uh, four or five months before the show we're creating. We say, here's your blank uh, uh, legal pad and let's create a show. You know, what's going on in your life? It's just like every process, you know, of every show. What are we as artists? Because sketch is so fucking cool. Improv and sketch is so cool because uh, the performer is also the writer. So it's very personal. Everything that we we perform is coming from our point of view. So it, so Shakespeare has a, a play. He writes it. He gives it to the actors, and the actors are all going to portray Shakespeare's point of view. In sketch and improv, you guys know this. Uh, it's our personal point of view. Sam, a uh, rock star, our first guitar player. Uh, he's not here. That was Drew who played. He's awesome. Um, uh, but Sam wrote that piece because he's, he's he loves freaking bacon. It's stupid and it's wonderful. And he loves bacon and he wrote that song. Um, and his mother didn't know until she came and saw the performance. <laughs> and she goes, oh, fucking, you know. So well, is he there. Jewish? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he's a, he's a Jew who loves bacon. Yeah, exactly. And it was that it's as simple as, you know. And then you have tonight. That's the formula. I know, that's it. Jew and tonight, and what bacon. Tonight yeah, is a typical Jill song. Like, all right, let's talk about our buttholes and oral sex. And, and, uh, and what did she come in with? She just got laid or something? Or she just gave someone a blowjob? What's the story? You are blushing. There's a no, story. No. Are you editing your I love, Is I love there a story the, there, you guys? No, I don't think Jill so. Jill. Where's Jill? Jill? We just know her husband. So yeah. What, do you yeah. Know, what about her husband? Brian Peterlin. It's, yeah. <laughs> well, Jill, I'll say this about Jill Valentine. She's very sexual, don't you think? I mean, in terms. Of, you know, <laughs> she. Uh, 
she has her style. She she uh, 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 she is you know her style is basking in uh, in in. Uh, in the crude, but in a delightful way, mm -hmm. you know. Whereas Runjit, the, the sushi is a typical Runjit song, which is setup, gentle setup, gentle setup, gentle setup, and payoff. You know. Whereas uh, Jill is setup, suck your dick, and let's explore it to the hilt. You know. <laughs> we've got a lot. We've got a lot of formulas working. Oh, and, but it's Jew you know. Bacon. Set up. Uh, yeah, okay. Good. And, and and the way uh, Sam works is collaboratively, and he works with you know Billy comes in and and, and works and, and they work collaboratively. Jill, like I need to be alone and write as well as Runjit. Um, so the, tonight the, in sushi, tonight sushi is a, a typical Runjit scene. And he just he writes it himself and brings it to the kid. Right, and exactly. Then, and you lay the music down, right? Uh, sometimes, or uh, sometimes we'll have a, a pianist. It depends. Or okay. Runjit also plays too. Okay. We work all collaboratively. So we'll take a song and I go, Jill, I need a funny line here. Uh, a Carissa or a Billy. Can you create some choreography here? Um, you know, so we all we all I go Runge, I need some counter uh, harmonies here or some uh, counter melody line here. Drew now is taking over. Uh, uh, Drew is a master's in voice. He and Chris Gordon are now stepped up to be the sort of the uh, uh, the aficionados of, of music theory and, and how to to uh, arrange music. I mean, if you look at uh, Cupid, is a very odd thing because. Uh, tonight, the music is beautiful, and we're singing about blowjobs. If you take our music and just put it on paper, it's the worst show in the world. It really is. It's horrible. But then, if you if you add music, uh, then then all of a sudden it's magnificent because we're we're singing about oral sex, but it's this beautiful ballad, you know. And what about cake? We didn't talk about that. That's the, that's the new generation. So we just hired cake nine, is the new generation. Take okay. cake. Yeah, I don't know anything about rap. I'm right. John. Okay. <laughs> So and it's it's interesting. Billy is the last one that uh, in this last creative process. Billy uh, is the last one uh, in in the original generation of Cupid. We've been through over uh, about 120 people went through our doors mm -hmm. in Cupid, uh, and um, and as we create now uh, the next generation, it's, it's a very 20 year old perspective. And this this generation, Billy and I are sitting there like, oh boy, we. We are old, you know. They speak a different language. They um, the the music's different. What they hear, I mean, this you know, it's it's very. Different. How do you embrace that? I don't. Well, I mean, who could have? Because uh, to me, it's like rap. Oh, I hate rap. And then I see it, and I like it. It's like my relationship with a board game. You know, I don't like board games, and I play it, and I'm like, oh, this is great. Apples to apples, you know. How 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 do you? Because music is a generational yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah, but still, it's. Uh, uh, and it's very interesting. The, the, uh, I'm not answering the question. It's very interesting to see. We just we just hired nine new people, because uh, like Tim Sosko's breeding out in the burbs now, and and people just take different paths. Once they get in their 30s and 40s, they don't want to be running naked on stage anymore. And um, not uh, for seven dollars. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and this generation is is wonderful. So we just cast these new people, and it's interesting that the things that it's very different and exactly the same. Uh, it's it's exactly the same because the ideas are coming. Hey, we got this idea about and Billy and I. We don't say anything. We go, but we we created that number already. But it was called this. <laughs> Two thousand and five. You know, it, it's so true. Uh, so it's the issues that we are dealing with as human beings. Stop putting that clock there. I want to keep talking. Well, you, um, can, you can talk as um, long as you want. I, we just got to keep. I, there's I a clock there. Ben has got that clock. Uh, but it's your theater. We could go to midnight. <laughs> <laughs> We're just getting started. Uh, but. Um, uh, 
So the, the, it's universally, uh, we as human beings deal with the same shit. I don't think, uh, as unique as you are, you're not, but you are, <laughs> you know? Because in your 20, in your teens, you're dealing with the same shit. As a 20, you're dealing with the same shit. Who am I? What am I going to be when I grow up? Am I okay? 30s, 40s, am I gonna, you know, it's the same shit everyone's dealing with, you know? And it's so interesting to see how uh, in the 15 years, how they dealt with uh, poo and, and getting late to breeding and taking care of parents and then finally they exit and the new generation poo and getting laid and now you know and you see you know and I see it at main stage I see it everywhere that you know what what is the voice and the voice is, is there's similarities in the voice but yet the, the 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 music technology and all these different things like Kerry Goldenberg I don't know I said the second time I said his name everything's been done but it's a matter of presentation and it's interesting to see this this new generation's presentation um, let's take some questions because people want to ask questions Are you, to you. Okay. Does this scare you? No. Okay, great. No. So, John, if you could turn the lights up, uh, and uh, uh, we've got some time to ask some questions to Brian Posen. This. Uh, so, who's got a question for for no, Brian? No one does. So. Over there. Over where? Yeah. Great. Yeah. Um, a silly question then. What was your character name at Debevins? Biff. <laughs> 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 That's back when uh, Lettuce owned it too, so we were authentic 1952 or 54, whatever it was. We, you know, wasn't jumping on the thing and dancing YMCA. Great, right here? Where do you see yourself? What will you, what will you hope to do in 10 years from now? You know what? Uh, that's a great question. That's a great question because it's interesting. I talked about the transformative uh, effect that losing my mom and I just lost my dad, who was my anchor, and I don't have a wife and kids. And so uh, this is, we took over this, and this is, this is now my project for the next 10 years. I don't know, you know, I don't know what it is. I know that we're taking over the, the theater behind this wall, we're taking over and we're gonna program solely stage 773 programming behind us, which means education and stuff that I wanna do, which is pretty much devised works and creating stuff that more than just sketch and funny, that you as an artist really can create something and a really, with stage 773 connecting Chicago theater. So we're creating uh, opportunities for, for artists to come together. So I know that's the next chunk of time that is going to be uh, creating uh, something that can take uh, about face a youth program and uh, porch light music and and these uh, uh, drumming sessions and put them together and start really connecting artists. So that's my next passion thing uh, that I'm going to do. But um, you know, honestly, the way I got to where I am is the past path of least resistance. I find something I absolutely love. And it's like what my grandpa said, which is an old saying, if you love what you do, you don't work a day in your life. And I work seven days a week just because I love it, you know? So I don't know. I have no idea. I did not say, in 10 years, I want to be running a four-theater complex with it. I have no fucking idea. But I do know that I'm so passionate about this thing that I'm doing right now that it opens up the doors to this, which opens up the doors to that, to that. So I, I don't know. I'm going for this ride, and the ride's pretty fucking cool. You know? Have you totally, like, I'm not going to get married, I'm not going to have kids, totally ruled that out? No. Or you, okay. No, I just forgot about it. I mean, I was just like, <laughs> you don't and, have you know what? And, and, oh, God. Uh, you love this shit. I love it. You'll yeah. love this shit, okay? okay. Um, I'll tell you something consistent from girlfriend to girlfriend. You know, I don't feel like a priority. <laughs> That's what they'll say? Yeah, because I'm like, I go, hey, what's going on? We should get together. It's been two weeks. Has it really been two weeks? Well, I was in tech rehearsals. And so, I, you know, it's artists are weird people today. But I've, I've calmed down. I'm a good guy today now. <laughs> so, what's changed? Uh, I think uh, uh, 
being in my late 40s have changed. Uh, losing both parents, watching people. You know what? It's that whole slew of Mary Scruggs and all those people that died that was my age. You know? Mary died like 46? Uh, she was 46. I lost uh, seven people before my dad died, and five of them were my age. All in like a couple months, and like my whole world just fucking flipped on its, uh, uh, just flipped because I got this building which was over. I was over my head because I'm I'm not a business dude, and this kicked my ass. And then uh, all these people died, and then Dad got sick, and then he died, and then I had to mourn. So I just I feel like I just came back to life about seven eight months ago. To tell you the truth, um, what uh, was so hard about? The Losing your dad. Oh, he was my anchor. He was my best. In friend. what way? He was everything. He was. He was. He was my anchor. He was. Uh, Would he know. give you business advice? Uh, he was my best friend. He was uh, unconditional love. He's. I don't trust many people at all. I, I can There's relate like to three, that. Yeah. You know, and and he was one. Yeah. Uh, I. It's just the most incredible human being. Why do you think it's hard for you to trust? I can tell you why me, because my dad's a criminal, but for you. <laughs> I mean, uh, my dad went to prison. Did he really? Of, oh, yeah, white-collar crime. Can, can we do, can we do uh, uh, Improv Nerd, but uh, reverse it? Can we're I gonna interview work, you? We're going to do one with Susan Messing's going to interview me. That's awesome. And you know what? I am, I am terrified of it. Good. <laughs> terrified. Good. I hope she is you. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> just sit down. So, uh, why are you so fucked up? Yeah. <laughs> well, I think talking about fucked up is really important. It because, is. Because people listening to this podcast, they really respond to... Because we, if where you're sitting, anyone who sat in that chair, they've all had a tough struggle. Of course. You know? Of course. Family stuff, you know, career I, I, stuff. It's not easy. No. People and, I, and, think, I, and I love what Runjit said. Runjit said, he's a, a player in, in Cupid, he says, I would not give up struggling with depression and all this stuff if it meant that I could not be creative. I love that. I remember laying in bed, I cannot get out of fucking bed, you know, and, and people were trying to throw drugs at me, you're depressed, you're this, I go, damn right, I just lost my fucking father, and I am depressed, and I'm going to feel it, and I'm going to be pissed off, and I'm going to be depressed, and I'm going to work through it, and I'm not going to fucking numb myself. And people were saying, Brian, you really, I go, no, I am going to feel this and deal with this, you know, and get through this, you know, and, and that's just my bag of beans, you know, so, there. <laughs> All right, we got one question. One more question, Jerry, Jerry Shaw, man. Um, yeah, people got paid seven bucks to go on stage naked. <laughs> I did it eight times for nothing. You owe me fifty. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Jerry Shaw. <laughs> <laughs> I, can I say something? Uh, I was actually looking forward to this because at all the time I've known you, which is almost 20 years now, I've never seen you improvise. Yeah. And I thought, oh, he's going to improvise with Jim, and Jim's going to talk about how terrified he is to be improvising with Brian Posen. But, I mean, this was perfect. You know, I haven't flexed that muscle in a long time, so if I was going to improvise, I mean, I'd, uh, I, I would need to, to flex that muscle again before doing it publicly. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, I haven't... Uh, um, yeah, it's been a it's been a while. I'm, I I uh, approach improv in a very different way. Um, I have a very such a strong acting background, and uh, you know I incorporate a lot of uh, the 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 foundation of acting to improvisation and a lot of Marty's philosophy of life changing work. You know, do I care if they can improvise a scene perfectly? No, I give a, uh, I give a shit about if uh, they have the freedom to express themselves in a non-judgmental way and be supported by an ensemble, you know? That's what I give a shit about, so, 
Um, do I want to be up on stage improvising? I don't get I don't get geeked out about that anymore. But if I was, I need to flex that muscle again uh, a couple times. Before well, you have an that. open invitation. If you oh, want thanks. to come back, I am. I would I, love to improvise. I like you so much. Yeah, you Thank are. You. You're so. You are so refreshing, uh, and I so appreciate you as an interviewer and as a collaborator and someone in this industry. Mm-hmm. I really do. I love what you do. I'm so supportive of what you do. Um, uh, yeah. So if there's anything I can do here, uh, please stay here, because this is what 773 is all about. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Are thank we you. done? Uh, what time is it? Yes, I think we've got to go. i got to fucking show at 5. Okay, you I have, have to. Okay, yeah. so, do you want to take, uh, so can we thank you, and then take, you can take off? <laughs> you got to show at 5. Yeah, okay. right now. They're probably, like, <laughs> okay. waiting for me to call okay. in the booth. Thank you so much, Brian. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so there you have it, another episode of Improv Nerd is in the can. I can't believe it, but it is, and that's actually, I, I've got the numbers down. I don't care. I don't care what Ben says, my producer, Ben Caprero. This is episode 78, and I just want to thank my guest, Brian Posen. It just it was, it was so much fun, and uh, uh, Brian, I owe you a lunch, because what happened was, he's like, let's continue this conversation, let's go out to lunch, we exchanged emails, and then I got afraid he sent me an email, and I just I, I, I couldn't respond to it. So uh, I'm weird. I am so weird. I am so I don't know if that's just passive or passive aggressive. I also would like to thank uh, Ben Caprero, our producer, who makes this sound so slick and so professional. And of course, Stage Seven Seven Three and the Chicago Sketch Fest and Brian Posen. Again, I can thank him as many times as I want. Uh, and I just want to say, Brian, you guys and everybody at Stage 773 makes us feel so welcome. And as you know, we are on feralaudio.com. That's feralaudio.com. It is a podcast collective, and they have some wonderful podcasts. Uh, Conversations with Matt Dwyer is one of my favorites, uh, as is Chelsea Peretti and Dan Harmon. Uh, Harmontown, uh, Brain Warp, The Baby Eater, the list go on and on. Todd Berry, I could keep name dropping, Duncan Trestle. So check out feralaudio.com. They're great people. And uh, if you ever get a chance, donate. Hit the donate button. See what happens. See if some money comes back our way. If you want more information about me, Jimmy Corain, and my award-winning classes and my award-winning, I'm, I'm, I'm giving myself an award, my award-winning improv nerd blog uh, that gives you tips on how to become a better improviser. And I talk about things people are afraid to talk about in improvisation, like guilt and shame and anger and judging your partners on stage and all that dirty, ugly stuff we don't want to talk about. Check out jimmycorain.com and go to the Improv Nerd blog. Uh, also, uh, go to the Improv Nerd Facebook page and like us. It really helps with my sn- low self-esteem. I'm tired. I, I apologize. Also, I want to thank our sponsor, the Hotel Lincoln, and I want to thank you for listening and all these nice emails and Facebook messages you send to me and stuff you post on the Improv Nerd Facebook page. I really, really appreciate it, and I especially really appreciate you guys listening. And until next time, remember... Walk, don't run. Hello. 
Hello, I'm Kyle Ayers. I'm the host of Never Seen It, the podcast where comedians rewrite famous movies and TV shows they've never seen, and then we give them a read in studio. This is a clip I want to play for you guys from an episode where Langston Kerman rewrites Scarface. He's never seen it, but he wrote a script based on what he thinks he knows about it. And here's a clip. Give it a listen. All right. Scarface, the new frontier. Interior, happening discotheque. Remember when we call clubs discotheques? <laughs> LOL. No. The 70s were crazy. Night. <laughs> the crowd bustles with young, hot Mexicans who are supposed to be Cuban and all are dressed in butterfly collared shirts and pants that look like Jinko jeans and pleated khakis had a really weird baby. <laughs> There's sex in the air and Poppy wants a whiff. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Scarface, 22 to 45. <laughs> like he's a television audience demographic? Devilishly handsome. Not even a little bit Italian looking, so get that out of your dumb brain. Walks through the crowd with the confidence of a man who's going on MTV Cribs with the Ying Yang Twins. <laughs> Does he actually have a scar on his face? Fuck no. Why would, he even, why would you even ask that? That's not important. What's important is that he is not at all a problematic stereotype <laughs> and that he has come for his cocaine. <laughs> As he approaches the red rope of the VIP, pronounced V-A-P-E in Spanish, <laughs> oh my he spots his dear friend who is almost certainly going to become his enemy by the end of the film, Smooth Skin. <laughs> Scarface yells out his signature line. <laughs> Ciao, Bella. It's me, Scarface. <laughs> oh, my God. 